Hi, this is Julie Ferdino, producer and engineer for Mermaids of Murrow's Cove and the voice of Emma Kersey. Mermaids of Murrow's Cove follows Massachusetts public radio reporter Emma Kersey as she returns to her hometown on assignment. In October 2017, a woman washes up on the quiet shores of Murrow's Cove. The locals say she was a mermaid, but Emma uncovers secrets and folktales that span hundreds of years. This is a clip from Episode 1, A Sea Creature. Thanks for listening. The following audio drama is rated PG-13 for parental guidance. I know I sound crazy, but I know what I saw. God, Emma, you are always so stubborn. Based on your conversation with Alice, there may be an entire cover-up conspiracy. We do not have a murderer among us. I was certain of that from the beginning. I'm happy to confirm that now. Alice Crocker was found naked and barely alive in Sandy Point Beach. She was not the first, but the third woman in 30 years found in similar circumstances in the small New England town of Murrow's Cove. The police report indicates that she was unconscious and showed signs of malnourishment, but there were no signs of physical trauma or sexual abuse. Officer Mary Jacobs wrote in her report, her skin was milky blue. It seemed almost transparent, probably due to hyperthermia. There were no bruises or any other signs of violence. She was not human. No matter what the doctor said, she was a sea creature, a mermaid. I, I know I sound crazy, but I know what I saw. That is Meredith Matthews, the woman who found Alice the morning of October 2nd, 2017. Meredith is by no means the town's crazy lady. She is one of the many hardworking, God-fearing residents of Murrow's Cove. She's not the kind of person who would make up stories for the sake of attention. Her skin was blue, and her body so thin, it, it seemed as it was made out of seaweed. Her hair was the color of old, old brass. It was long, green, and abundant. No woman has hair like that. I tell you, she, she was a mermaid. I saw it with my own eyes. My name is Emma Kersey. I was born and raised in Murrow's Cove. I'm a reporter with Massachusetts Public Radio, and I don't believe in the existence of mermaids. I do believe that three young women were starved to the brink of death and then dumped on the shores of my town. Three women suffered unbearable cruelty, and for reasons I can't understand, nobody wants to get justice for them. I created this podcast to discover who hurt them. You're listening to Mermaids of Murrow's Cove. I read about Alice Crocker in the Cove's Examiner. Mermaid found stranded on local beach, their front page read. The local paper is not known for its accurate reporting. They tend to exaggerate and sometimes straight up make up stories. People in town don't mind, though. They think the tales are a good distraction from their everyday routine. I no longer live in Murrow's Cove. I moved to Boston after graduating from college, but my mother mails me copies of the paper once a week so that I can keep up with the town's gossip. The Examiner, as expected, is not available online. The newspaper's owner, Bob Kersey, who also happens to be my dad, doesn't believe in the internet. His words, not mine. 
There was something in Alice Crocker's eyes that made me want to know her story. The picture showed a bony girl with deer-like green eyes and a frown of confusion. She was wearing a hospital gown, and behind her, I could see my pediatrician's old anti-tobacco poster. She was lost, disoriented, and scared. I knew that look. I had seen it on many victims before. Despite what the police were saying, Alice Crocker had suffered at the hands of a predator. Hi, honey. Did you get the package? I did, Mom. Oh, good. I'm glad. I hope you like the scones I sent you. You know, to be honest, since Mrs. Lennox hired those foreigners... Mom, I'm recording this conversation. You're what? Why? I'm investigating the story of Alice Crocker. Who's Alice Crocker? The mermaid. Oh. So why are you recording me? I'll record all conversations that I have with Murrow's Cove residents as part of the research. People won't like that. You know how we are here. You know, we're old-fashioned. And by old-fashioned, you mean a dad set in your ways and maybe a little bigoted? Emma, don't call your mother names. Honey, please don't make people mad. You come and go. Your dad and I live here. I won't piss anybody off, I promise. Well, I don't think you'll find much of a story. She's probably another girl from that fancy college who got too drunk to remember where her panties were and ended up butt naked on the beach. But don't put that part in your show. It's a podcast, Mom. Yes, the pod thing. I don't want people to hear me saying but. But don't you think it's weird that three women have been found half dead on the beach and nobody's looked into it? Not really. The chief knows what he's doing. He's been a cop for a long time. So is his dad and his dad's dad. If he says there's nothing to look into, then there's nothing to look into. You don't believe the mermaid story, right? You're too old for that. No, I don't. But I think somebody is hurting local girls. That's nonsense, sweetie. And they're not local. But I'm happy you're coming, though. I'll let your Aunt Lois know. She's always asking about you. And your cousin Henry asked me for you at church, too. You know, he's so successful. He does something with computers. Great, Mom. I gotta let you go. All right. Love you, Emma. Sorry, Mom. The butt part made it in the show. I drove to Murrow's Cove the next morning. It was a warm fall day, and I decided to take the scenic route. Fifty miles of rocky coast hug the path that leads to the old New England town. The view is breathtaking and frightening. As you drive, you can't help but wonder how many people have been distracted by the dark blue of the ocean and ended up driving off one of the many cliffs. I don't play music or listen to the radio when I'm driving. Long drives give me a chance to let my thoughts wander and look for answers to the many questions swirling around in my head. I'm always full of questions. It used to drive my parents crazy. My producer, John Murphy, says that's a good thing. The questions, not the driving my parents crazy part. He says my curiosity makes me an annoying but good reporter. In the case of Alice Crocker, my main question was why? Why nobody cares? Why no one thinks it's odd that women wash up on the shores of our town? Both of the previous cases had ended the same way. The women were declared insane and taken away to an undisclosed mental health facility. As soon as the ambulance left town, everybody forgot about it and life went on. I am not going to let that happen to Alice Crocker. She is not going to become one of the forgotten victims of Moreau's Cove. When I arrived in town, instead of heading to my parents, I drove to the local clinic where Alice was hospitalized. 
The day after Alice's arrival, Dr. Ananda confirmed the first report. Jane Doe, she was called that until she was able to speak again, was malnourished and suffered from hypothermia, but showed no signs of physical or sexual abuse. She's physically healthy, but her head's a different matter. The woman suffers from severe PTSD, paranoia, and schizophrenia. That was Dr. Oliver Ananda giving a press conference outside the clinic in front of three journalists. One of them was from Moreau's Cove High. Thanks to Waves 95.5 and Nick Johnson for letting us use their audio. I'm not a psychiatrist, but I'm confident in my diagnosis. I Google the symptoms, you know. Dr. Ananda is the only physician in Moreau's Cove. He was my pediatrician, my dad's cardiologist, and my mom's OBGYN. I know, it's a little weird and creepy, but not for this town. Murrow's Cove likes to keep its population small, and that means people wear more than one hat. Mrs. Lennox runs a local bakery and serves as the town clerk. My dad owns the newspaper and coaches baseball. Having just one job is frowned upon in Murrow's Cove. The town's population has barely increased in the last 200 years, and you can still trace back to the founders almost every family in town, including mine. Of course, there are newcomers, people who have married residents and move in, and a couple of immigrant workers who I think got lost on their way to Portland and ended up in Moreau's Cove. I'm not implying the residents are not welcoming. Hospitality is a well-regarded value in this town. The people of Moreau's Cove are friendly. They just don't encourage anyone to stick around. Ananda is one of those people whose lineage can be traced all the way back to the founders. The old doctor is an institution, loved respected, and unquestioned. Whatever Oliver Ananda says is considered an irrefutable truth. Ananda was the first person I interviewed when I arrived. You look very healthy, Emma. Thanks, doctor. I do try to take care of myself. I'm recording our conversation for my podcast. Is that okay? Sure. What do I owe the pleasure? Why do you want to record our conversation? Well, I'm writing a story about the girl that they found on the beach, Alice. You should get a copy of my press conference. That's all the information we have so far. I'll, I'll do that. In the meantime, do you think I can speak to her? I don't know if that's a good idea. She's not well. Besides, she's not saying much. Gibberish. As expected, she's very confused. I still would like to talk to her. I don't know, Emma. It's very irregular to let a reporter talk to a patient. I'll be quick, and I promise I'll be very gentle. I won't press her on answering anything that might make her uncomfortable, I swear. God, Emma, you are always so stubborn. I remember your mom asked me once if there were vitamins to calm you down. She did? Oh, don't look so horrified. You were a lot to deal with. My guess is you still are. Besides, I didn't prescribe anything, just a lot of outdoors activity. So that's why they pushed me so hard to join the track team? Exhausted kids give fewer problems, <laughs> though... You still managed to give plenty. I smiled and let the good doctor tell a couple of more embarrassing stories that I won't be sharing with you because I would like to keep a little bit of my dignity. After 20 minutes down memory lane, he finally sent me on my way to meet Alice. Don't upset her. Be nice, Emma, or I'll tell your parents. I'll tell Nurse Russo to take you there. Dr. Ananda gave me a little plastic bottle full of gummy vitamins. He said he didn't like his patients leaving his office empty-handed. He's sweet that way. This way? Nurse Russo is a tall woman with broad shoulders and a small waist. Her face is round and her cheeks so rosy, you can't help but think she's the friendliest nurse you will ever encounter. But she's not. She frowns a lot, judges you with her eyebrows, and only speaks in short, brusque sentences. 
Her unfriendly demeanor is accentuated by the way she walks. Her back is always painfully straight, even when she's not in nurse uniform. She walks like she is leading the parade. When I was a teenager, the boys in my high school said she had a thing for initiating young men. I don't know if that was true or not. I don't want to spread rumors. What I do know about her is that she never got married or had children. She still lives in her late parents' home, and she has a small yappy dog that by now, I believe, is probably at least 20 years old. How's your brother? He's good. uh, Still attending Yale. He always was a smarty pants. (laughs) Yeah, he is. This is her room. You've got 15 minutes. She's not well. We don't want to get her anxious or overexcited, so don't upset her. Alice's hospital room was small but bright. There was only one bed where Alice was sitting, staring at the garden outside her window. The white walls were bare except for two old posters, one warning against the use of tobacco and the other against the use of drugs. Those posters must be as old as my parents. Alice was very small. Her frame was even frailer than the picture in the paper. Her face was angular. Her hair was an odd greenish blonde, same as Meredith Matthews had described. Her voice was soft and her speech slow, as if she tasted every word before it left her mouth. There was something otherworldly about her, but it wasn't that she was a mythical creature. It was her beauty. Even in that moment of unhealthy fragility, she was beautiful. They are beautiful, aren't they? The flowers, so colorful. They are pretty. Who are you? My name is Emma Kersey. I'm a reporter with- I already spoke to the reporter. He was rude. He took a picture without asking. I'm sorry that happened to you, Alice. I'm from a different place, though. I have a podcast. It's like a radio show. I want to go home. Where is home? I want to leave this place. Is it okay if I sit on your bed, Alice? They will find me. Who will find you? They know I'm here. One of them came to warn me. Are, Are you talking about the men who took you? The other girls told me escaping was futile. There are other women? There are many of us. Some old, some young. You were held against your will? Where, Alice? I can't tell. If I tell, I will be punished. You won't. You're safe now, Alice. I promise. I'm not. (laughs) Your time is up, young lady. I asked if I could stay a little longer, but the nurse was adamant about me leaving. When she saw Alice's tears, her expression changed to pure anger. I left my business card with her out of nervous habit. She put it in her pocket without even looking at it. Alice's words sparked so many more questions, but also fear. She was scared. She didn't feel safe in the hospital. The doctor said it was all nonsense, but her fear was real. Alice knew a lot more than she led us to believe. She was too afraid to say anything. 